the last letter is um, K, and it's knowledge to attain. And uh, the verse that I found for that that I really liked was uh, James 1.5. James is one of my favorite books. It's very practical. It's, it's just got a lot of everyday stuff that we need. And uh, it says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So basically, we can ask him for anything, and, you know, he's not just going to get mad at us because we asked him. And I thought, I thought that's really powerful, and that's awesome. The God of the universe is just there telling us, go ahead and ask, and I'll give you whatever you want, so whatever you need. <laughs> so the next song we're going to be singing is uh, Word of God Speak. Sing that chorus with 
Paul Salen, our worship intern, uh, uh, playing the whole service tonight. He's been planning a lot of our worship and, uh, and, and leading very, very well, Paul. God bless you. We love you. Uh, doing a good job. Uh, Andrew is an excellent, excellent minister himself and a good trainer, mentor for these interns. Uh, so we appreciate his ministry. Warren Weeks is a champ. Uh, Matt Betts today, uh, an, an incredible ice cream football uh, beast. Uh, uh, so blessed to work on a staff such as this. Lori Tingle, uh, amazing uh, administrative assistant. You should call her just for fun during the week. Uh, she, she's amazing. Uh, CJ uh, down at the Franklin campus is the office administrator there. Uh, Eric Walker uh, and Nicole Buckman doing our staff. How wonderful. Uh, keep, keep all of us in your prayers. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. We're going to wrap up the Living Word series tonight with a very, very practical lesson in Bible reading. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, I'm just going to use this passage tonight as a, as a lesson, as a passage that we can look at together and maybe uh, help each other learn how to read the Bible with more clarity and faithfulness. I've been doing it for a couple of weeks now, but if you were trying to give advice to somebody who was brand new in reading the Bible, somebody brand new, what advice would you give them? Somebody who's just never really read. Jack. Yeah, I know that. I've heard you do that. Jack will typically send people to the Gospel of John. If you don't know where to start, start with John. Why is John, you think, a good place to start, Jack? It is a beautiful portrait of Jesus and has so much of Jesus' teaching and so much of how to live life from his own, his own example and mouth. Yeah, start with the Gospel of John, Jack says. Uh, anybody else? What would you say? Yeah. Stay consistent. Stay with it. Yeah. Josh, why do you think that's so important to stay with it? Yeah, it's, yeah, use the word diet. Jesus talks about uh, the scripture as being the, the, the bread of life or, or the word that comes from God's mouth. Absolutely. It's like spiritual food, and we don't seem to have any problem staying with eating. And that's sort of the point. We return to the Bible because it's food for us, food for our spirits. Uh, we stay with it, Josh says. Yeah, the temptation is always to quit. Yeah. What else? Good advice. Keep going. Yeah, Chris. Don't get all caught up in, in how much you're reading, the volume of it. In other words, what if I don't get three chapters read today? Is, is, does that not matter? Yeah, yeah, just stay with it. Read, read what you can and absolutely. Um, Meditate, digest God's word. Yeah. What else, Donna? Start with the short books in the back. Now, why would that be good advice? Yeah, you could sit down and read the short books in the back. Uh, first and Second Peter, or, or or Timothy, or Titus, or Jude, uh, Philemon. Yeah, you might feel like you're getting somewhere, making progress. Start with the short books in the back. That's pretty good advice. That's good. Yeah, uh, Amy. Yeah, get a translation. I, I know that some, some people really, really uh, become devoted to a particular translation, but honestly, as you've heard me say, the best translation is the one you'll read. And so Amy reminds us, just get a good translation, one that you feel like you can understand, and, and don't let the language be a roadblock. I, 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 would, I would echo that. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, Sorty. The Book of Psalms. Yeah, yeah. Brenda says you'll get hooked on Psalms. Yeah, what is it about the Psalms that, that draws you? Do you think? 
Yeah. Brenda's just finished reading through the book of Psalms, and, and it's exciting, isn't it? Uh, I don't really think David has mental problems, like you said. If he does, we all do. We all have the same. Yeah, he does have some ups and downs, and I referred to that in my preaching this morning. Sometimes he's complaining and saying, God, where are you? And other times he's just so thrilled to be in God's presence. And I, boy, that's me and, and all of us. Yeah, the Psalms are so good. Yeah. What else? Advice, practical advice. Yeah, what do you say, JC? Uh-huh. Okay. You read the Bible in, in, in the order that the books would be, would be in history. You got all the genealogies over with in a day. Yeah, in a, in a chronological Bible. Yeah. Yeah. There are several approaches to reading the Bible and reading the Bible through. And to read it in chronological order is, is one of those wonderful approaches. That's great, JC. That's good. That's good. Uh, Rick, were, were you waving at me? Yeah, read, seeking and, and expecting God to speak, expecting uh, to, to be fed from God's word. Absolutely. We often see what we expect to see and we get what we expect to get out of it. And unfortunately, we come looking for nothing and expecting nothing. Yeah, come reading, knowing it's the living word of God, active and powerful. Let's take a look at a passage tonight. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We're going to read this together. We're going to read it, and then we're going to sort of pretend that this was our devotions, and we're going to see how we can make some sense out of a, a, a particular passage. So let's just say this is our, uh, our, our daily devotion today, and our passage is Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Let's just read right through to the end of this chapter, and then uh, we'll try to break into it. As for Philip... An angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. Sometimes it looks like Candace, but it's not a name, it's a title, and probably something like Kandake. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He's reading out loud. I love it. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. Again from Isaiah, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? Eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? 
So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Do you understand that? What just happened? Yeah, he's just gone. Yeah, absolutely gone. The Spirit snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. <laughs> I just love that. It's like, you know, poof, poof, you know, and he's up the road. Wow. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, let's just sort of start with the Ethiopian man. What's he doing as the story opens? The Ethiopian treasurer. What's he doing? Yeah, he's riding along. Again, this is a very wealthy, very prominent uh, leader from Ethiopia. He is, he is the queen mother's treasurer. This is a man of incredible power and influence. He has his own uh, entourage. He has his own chariot. He's being driven by his driver, uh, and he is reading the Bible out loud. I think that's funny. Why is he reading out loud? I remember... Uh, probably third grade, Miss Johnson made us all put index cards in our mouths and read so that we wouldn't read out loud. Yeah, it, it's sort of something you have to teach people. Actually, reading silently to yourself is really something that is rather new. In, in, in the ancient world, people just read out loud, and the Ethiopian is just reading out loud because that's what everybody did. But what's his response to his own reading? He doesn't understand any of it, doesn't understand a word of it. He simply doesn't understand. Have you ever felt that way? You ever just read the Bible and just thought, shoot, you know, somebody smarter than me must, must have to tell me what this means. Yeah. And actually, that's, that's where the Ethiopian goes. Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And what's the man saying in verse 31? How can I? Yeah. How, how can I unless somebody, somebody explains it to me? Okay, you tell me. Does everybody need somebody smarter to explain the Bible to them? Yeah, Donna says we all need the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. We all need the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus promises in the Gospel of John, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit's my teacher. So do I need somebody smarter? <laughs> JC does. Yeah. And Chase, he'll take, he'll take the help. Yeah. Well, I would too, to be honest. I love, I love to be in the presence of someone who's read and digested and absorbed Scripture. I, I love to be in the presence of a teacher, a preacher, somebody who just breaks it open and makes it brand new to me. I love that. Did anybody say amen to that? I, I love it. But do I have to have that? No, no, Donna reminds us we have the Holy Spirit. And one of the exciting things about this passage is the way the Holy Spirit is going to very great lengths to make sure this man understands Scripture. You see, it's not really Philip. Philip's not the central character here. The, the book of Acts is, of course, A-C-T-S, Acts. It's the actions of somebody who is the book of Acts written about? It's the actions of who or the actions of what? 
Yeah, some people say it's the actions of the church, and, and really we, we don't know exactly, but that's a good way to say it. It's the actions of the church. It's what happens when, when Jesus is taken off into heaven, he ascends, and then there left are, are the followers, the disciples of Jesus, the, the church. The day of Pentecost comes, and then they spread out over the face of the earth to, to share the gospel. So in many ways, it's the actions of the church but some people say it could be really the actions of, yeah, Donna said, the Holy Spirit. And you can read the book of Acts and say, wow, this is about the church, but it goes back one step, one step further than that. This is the actions of the Holy Spirit. When you read through the book of Acts, honestly, suddenly the Holy Spirit has center stage. It's the Holy Spirit who, who is controlling and moving and propelling God's people forward. It's a Holy Spirit that drops Philip in one place, snatches him up, and puts him down someplace else. It's the Holy Spirit who says, hey, get in his car. Hey, listen to him. Stop and walk beside him. It's the Holy Spirit through this whole story. It's the actions of the Holy Spirit, we could say. And at this point, it's the actions of the Holy Spirit to make sure that this one man, this Ethiopian treasurer, understands what he's reading. The Holy Spirit will go to great lengths to make sure you understand what you're reading. Now, sometimes you will be blessed to be in the presence of somebody who's a good teacher. And if you have good teachers like that in your life, in our church, which we do, you should take every opportunity to sit at their feet, every opportunity to hear what they will say. It's God's word, and God does. The Holy Spirit blesses some with gifts of teaching, and you would be foolish not to take advantage of those who have that gift and can help you see more of what God is saying in his word. Every time you have a chance to hear a good teacher, preacher, take advantage of that. But do not think that the Bible and the Holy Spirit are not enough for you. Don't think that. Because the Holy Spirit will make sure that you can understand. He will take the word and make sure it hits its target in your heart. Actually, the Ethiopian man, he, he is not ignorant. He's actually very, very intelligent. A very intelligent man. And at first when he says, how can I understand? It's not like, duh, you're not going to understand. It. No, no. He is really at the verse, at the passage that to this day continues to be the central passage for the Jews. This is the passage, it's, it's that whole portion of Isaiah that talks about the suffering servant, the, the Messiah. It's that passage that we understand is referring to Jesus. We understand that. But the Jews to this day don't really understand what this verse is about. The question that the Ethiopian man is asking is still asked by every Jewish person on the face of the earth. And what's his question? Verse 34, what's his question? Who's he talking about? The prophet Isaiah, when he says, he was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as the lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who's he talking about, himself or somebody else? You understand, that's still the question for the Jews. They cannot interpret that passage. They continue to debate over who he's talking about. Most Jews now say that that passage refers to the entire nation of Israel. 
This is predominantly a a post-Holocaust interpretation. But the Jewish people often look at the suffering of the Jewish people, which has been great in the 20th century. But they will look at their own suffering and say that passages like this in the Old Testament actually speak of the Jewish people. That they have suffered so much and somehow their suffering is redemptive for the world. Now that's not what that passage is talking about. That's not what that passage is talking about. And that is exactly why the Ethiopian says, who is this about? Who is this about? Because you can't understand that passage unless you hear the good news of Jesus. Do you understand? You've got to hear about Jesus. And so Philip, it says, sits down and he starts with that very scripture and then tells him what? The good news about Jesus. He takes the Old Testament and he shows this Ethiopian man how every single verse points to Jesus. Every verse points to Jesus. Yeah. So if we're going to understand this passage, say you're in the Ethiopian man's position and you're reading this passage for the first time, where would we begin? Let's say it's your daily devotion. Where do you start? A couple of weeks ago, I advised you always to start by praying. Yeah, absolutely. It's God's word. You're going to see Jesus in it. So why not start by talking to Jesus? He's alive and he's speaking and this is his word. So start by praying, asking Jesus to speak, asking Jesus to to begin to open your mind and your heart to what God wants to say to you. Begin by praying and and talking to Jesus. And then ask yourself the first question, what kind of writing is this? What what am I reading? So just look at it. What are we reading? What is this? It's a a story. It's a story. This is a story. It's not a genealogy. It's not the Proverbs. It's not a psalm. It's not laws. It's it's a story. It's a story in a larger story. The story of the actions of the church, the actions of the Holy Spirit. It's a story. To to be particular, it's a conversion story. And there are several of those in the book of Acts. It's, it's It's a conversion story. But it's an interesting conversion story. If you're reading through the book of Acts... This truly would be the very first Gentile convert. It's the first Gentile. And he's Ethiopian, which is interesting. And he's a eunuch, which complicates it all. Now, he's obviously a God-fearer, which means he's a Gentile, but he has accepted the Jewish faith. And so he has just gone up to Jerusalem to worship. Okay, if you listened enough in Sunday school, can you begin to understand the problems with this? He went to the temple to worship. How's that going to go? Yeah. He'll never get in. He'll never be allowed into the temple to worship. Now, why not? Because he's a eunuch. Yeah, he's a eunuch. If you don't really know what that is, I'm not going to tell you. Google that later. Uh, he's a eunuch. And eunuchs are not allowed. But because they have a physical defect... Eunuchs are not allowed to, to step foot, to step foot in, in, in the temple, that they can only go to a certain point. So even though this man obviously loves God and loves his word, and he would travel all of this distance just to go and stand sort of on the outer edge of the temple just to be that close to God, you understand? Even though he has that kind of heart, he's never going to be fully accepted. 
Never going to be fully accepted. So the question becomes, when you're reading his conversion story, is he going to be fully accepted now? Will he be fully accepted by Christ? It's sort of the tension here. What? Who? An Ethiopian eunuch? You're kidding. Get in the carriage with him? What? It's, it, it, it's interesting. It's, it's actually fun. Is the gospel going to apply to him becomes the question. If this were your daily devotion, I just want to suggest one way of reading Scripture to you, and it's very simple. It's called, look for a speck of truth. Speck is an acronym. Each of those letters stands for something, and Paul's done a great job of helping put that in front of you tonight. Uh, When you go to Scripture, not every passage speaks in the same way. Not every single passage gives you red-letter words from Jesus or necessarily clear commandments to follow. So I want to help you be a little more agile, a little more nimble as you read. So write this down tonight or carry your bulletin with you. Think about the letter SPEC, S-P-E-C-K, and this is what you can look for as you read. And let's use this passage and just go through this very quickly. S stands for? A sin to confess, okay, a a sin to confess. If you were reading this passage, is there any kind of sin? Does the Holy Spirit bring up anything in your heart that would suggest to you that there's a sin you need to confess? Think about the passage. Think about what we're reading. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. I don't see any thou shalt nots in here. But as I begin to slow down and think and read this passage, I see some things in here that that reveal some things that aren't right about my life. Do you? You see anything in this passage? Yeah. Yeah, I know that's wonderful. Anel says, first off, just the whole idea of prejudice against someone. The Holy Spirit tells Philip to hop in the car with somebody that he would ordinarily never be caught dead with. You understand? But, but, but at the same time, this prejudice does not have its place in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah, what else? Yeah, absolutely. And in my own notes for this passage, that's, I wrote the, the, the phrase, full obedience. This passage has this incredible example of full obedience to the Holy Spirit. Everything the Holy Spirit does, Philip obeys instantly, immediately. It's that idea of full obedience. So if I want to talk about a sin of my own to confess, I have to say to you all out loud, I am not that quick to obey. If the Holy Spirit has me on the side of the road and says, hey, get in the car with that guy, I would be telling the Holy Spirit what I saw in the news last night. I mean, you know, you just can't go getting in the car with people you don't know who read out loud. You you understand? But, But Philip just obeys. Doesn't argue, doesn't bargain. He just instantly does what the Holy Spirit says. Full obedience. What else? Well, there's just the example of Bible reading here. And many of us would say, here's this Ethiopian man who doesn't even understand what he's reading, and yet he's faithful to read. What does that say for us? The whole idea of of gospel sharing, this is a story that that has so importantly the emphasis on, on gospel sharing. And some of us haven't shared the gospel with anybody ever or maybe years or months. 
So when I read this passage, the Holy Spirit begins to show me sins that I can confess. And honestly, if I stopped right there and I went to my knees in prayer and I confessed those sins and, and began by the Holy Spirit's wisdom to make a plan for changing, then I've read God's word well. You understand? Just by looking for a sin to confess, I've probably read God's word pretty well. That would be a good day's devotion. But, but let's keep going. We can look for a sin to confess. We can look for a, a promise to claim. A promise to claim. Not every passage necessarily has a promise to claim. Do, do you see a promise to claim in this passage? I don't, but, but do you? Yeah, yeah, it's not outright stated, but it is the message of this story. Because, again, the whole issue is going to be, will the gospel apply to this man, this, this African man, this, this physically deformed man, defective man, will the gospel apply to him? And the message is, yes, yes, it's the promise that whosoever will may come. Yeah, absolutely. Paul. Yeah, 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 it does. But man, in the book of Acts, you realize how hard it was for the Jews to realize that, that Jesus meant everybody, absolutely everybody. So again, we're going SP. The next one is E, an example to follow. Sometimes when you read scripture, you can look for an example to follow. Is there an example to follow in this passage? Talk about it. Who's the example to follow? Yeah, Philip. What is it about Philip that, that we should imitate? We talked about his, his full obedience, his listening to the Spirit. Yeah, and listening in Scripture always means obeying. They're the same thing. Listening and obeying go together. You, you, you tell your, your son to go clean his room, and he just sits there continuing to play Xbox, and you come back and say, did you hear me? You, understand? you know he heard you. His ears are working, but, but until he moves to obey, you're, you're, you can't really say he's heard you. And, Scripture's like that. The Holy Spirit's like that. Hearing and obeying are the same thing. Philip is this incredible example of full obedience, instant obedience. Yeah, we need to be like that. What else? Say it again. Yeah, he was, he was ready, prepared. Whatever the Spirit has for him, he's there. Yeah, ah, oh, so good. Yeah. What else? Example. Yeah, Judy. Yeah, this incredible example of gospel sharing. Uh, it's amazing, an incredible example. Notice that he starts with the question that the man is actually asking. Uh, in, in my own life uh, as a pastor and also as someone who's been trained a thousand times in evangelism, lots of times I have my little canned speech and I just go out and get ready to, to, to give my canned speech to people, but Philip doesn't have a canned speech. He just starts with the question the man asks and then takes him straight to Jesus. Uh, that, that's how you share the gospel. He listens and starts with the question the man's actually asking and then, and then gives him the answer in Christ. Yeah, gospel sharing, it's an example we have to follow. Yeah, every day, all day. Yeah. What else? Yeah. yeah, Philip ran over. 
Yeah, he ran over. Of course, he probably had to go catch up uh, with, with this carriage flying down the, down the highway. But absolutely, there's enthusiasm. His, his feet are in motion when the Holy Spirit says, go. He runs. Yeah, I love it. What else? Is the Ethiopian treasurer, is he an example to follow for us? You see anything about him that you think, wow, I need to be more like him? Yeah, you know it's not the first time he's read it, but he keeps going back to it saying, what does this mean? What does this mean? And he goes back to Scripture. That persistence, that seeking is so important, so important. Coming to God's Word, looking for an answer. Yeah. What else? Example of the Ethiopian. Well, he went to the temple. Yeah, absolutely. He went a long way. Do you know how far it is from Africa to Jerusalem? Yeah. He made that trip. Just to worship, just to worship. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. What else? Yeah, mom. Yeah, yeah, it, this is a good place when you wonder sometimes denominations have debated about how baptism happens. This just gives us one of those places where it's obvious that they go down into the water. Uh, baptism means to immerse, and this man is fully, fully immersed. Yeah, absolutely. It's an example to follow. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, Donna. Yeah, immediate action. And what's his question? It's, it's just a great one. When, when, he, when he begins to understand, what's he saying? Verse 36. Look, there's water. Yeah. Is there anything, and, and this is, the, 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 this is the, the flavor of, of the sentence in the Greek. He says, is there anything to prevent me from being baptized? You see, that's the question. That's been the question from the beginning when we first saw an Ethiopian eunuch searching for Christ. That's been our question. Will there be anything to keep him from coming? And that's his question in the end. Is there anything to stop me? And what's the answer? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is there anything to prevent me? That's a pretty good example for all of us. When we know what God wants us to do, is there anything to prevent you from obeying him? Anything to prevent you from instantly doing what he's asking you to do? That's the example of obedience to follow right there. That's so good. Is there anything, anything to prevent me? Yeah, good examples. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. He's a brilliant man. Don't miss that fact. But yet he asks questions and listens to what Philip has to say. Yeah. Yeah, we probably don't always see it that way. But yeah, this man is high up and Philip is low down. Yeah, that's a good example. Absolutely. He is being schooled by a hitchhiker on the side of the road. 
Yeah, and he is uh, a very, very elevated government official in the, in the state of Ethiopia. Yeah, that's amazing, his humility to listen. Uh, is there a command? C, command. Again, you don't have to do all of these letters every single day. It's just a way of trying to break into Scripture and see how the Spirit would speak. Sometimes there's an example to follow. Sometimes there's a command to obey. Do you see a command to obey in this passage? Again, on the one hand, it's a story, so there's no place in particular where you see red letters and, and, and some sort of a, a commandment like that. But over and over, there is this word that's repeated. The Holy Spirit continues to say the word, go. Yeah, go, go. Every time the Spirit speaks somehow, uh, it means that Philip has to be in motion. It's that constant command to, to go. What would make us think that that's still not the word? He has for us to, to go. Say it again. Yeah, even the eunuch understands that commandment, that imperative to, to, to follow the Lord in baptism. Yeah. Let's push pause. I don't, I don't want to keep any longer, but, but there's one interesting thing about this passage that I just want to call your attention to, and I don't want you to worry about it. Just notice it. Uh, as I was reading through about verse 36, something funny happened, and I landed in verse 38. Anybody notice that? Yeah, you notice that because you're reading King James. Yeah, yeah. What happened to verse 37? How many of you have verse 37 up in the body of the text with everything else? You got verse 37? Yeah. How many of you don't? Yeah. If you look, 37 will be in a footnote. Uh, down at the bottom of the page. It doesn't totally disappear, but it's in a footnote. What's that about? Where's verse 37? It's just a, a little lesson in how we get our Bible. And you just got to be honest enough to recognize this. This is God's word in human words, and it has human fingerprints. It, it just does. There is no one Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, that fell out of heaven, and we have that. We don't have that. What we have are multiple copies of, of all of these writings, and they're multiple copies of the book of Acts. We don't have the original. We do not have the book of Acts that Luke himself wrote from his own pen. We don't have that copy, but we have other copies, and, and we can date them. We can go back to the earliest ones, and we can figure out which ones actually come later. Because remember, the way that God brings us to Scripture is that faithful people had to sit down and copy it for centuries. They had to sit down and copy it so that we would have copies. The thing is, if you look across the centuries at all of these copies of the book of Acts, they are remarkably the same. Remarkably the same. These men were faithful. They were not sloppy. And the Holy Spirit protects his word. So it's not as if that they don't agree or not as if that they're vastly different. However, there are occasionally differences, very rarely, but verse 37 is one of those places. That if we look at the very earliest manuscripts, the earliest copies of the book of Acts, verse 37 isn't there. It's not in the earliest copies, the ones closer to Luke. But verse 37 shows up later. It just shows up later in the manuscripts, some of them. 
And so scholars just have to do the best they can. Since we know that Luke was the one inspired and Luke wrote the book first, there's a tendency to trust the earlier manuscripts. You understand? A tendency to assume that the earlier ones are are closer to Luke and therefore to, to question if all of a sudden something shows up in a later copy. This almost never happens, understand? But it happens here. So that's why... Uh, faithful scholars will take verse 37, they don't take it out altogether, but they'll put it at the bottom. Just so you understand that this verse has a different kind of history than everything else in the book of Acts. You understand that? Uh, again, it, it's, it's the way the Holy Spirit brings the Bible to us, and, and it's just the fact. This is how it comes. It didn't fall out of heaven. Uh, centuries and centuries of, of faithful men copying it out way before there was a Xerox copy machine or a publisher and printed Bibles. Um, it's actually remarkable how the Spirit has protected His Word. But, but let's wrap up. S P E C K, a command to follow, and then knowledge to believe or knowledge to remember. Um, we've talked about so many things, so many parts of knowledge. For me, in this passage, the the real knowledge to remember is that nothing can prevent the repentant sinner from coming to Christ. Nothing can prevent the repentant sinner from coming to Christ. That's my big takeaway from this passage this time through. Somebody else? What's what's the big knowledge, the, the big lesson to remember? Anything? That Jesus died for all people? Sure. Yeah, and Rick? is full of lost people and actually there are a great number of Christians in the world who need to hear the command to go yeah to go to go doesn't always mean to go somewhere far away Uh, some of us go to Jerusalem to Judea and others to the uttermost parts of the earth you you need to start with where you are you need to go to work tomorrow Uh, you need to go to your friends tomorrow at the pool and and have the name of Jesus on your lips it was interesting. I had dinner at the Riggenbach house uh, a few months ago. Met an amazing uh, man who is a, a missionary in, in Africa. Uh, and he was talking about one of the wonderful things about Ethiopia is the long history of Christianity there. And in some ways, scholars have scratched their head. They don't really understand why Ethiopia has such long roots in Christianity. Would you have any idea? how the gospel got to Ethiopia so early? Well, there's a story in the book of Acts about an Ethiopian man who had gone to worship in a temple that he couldn't even get into. He finds Christ on the road home by a man who tells him about the scriptures and then vanishes from his sight. And the Ethiopian goes home and starts spreading the word. 
You see, that, that, that's how it happens when the Holy Spirit says go. It's a speck of truth, uh, a sin to confess, a, a promise to claim, an example to follow, a command to keep, knowledge to remember uh, or, uh, or, or accept, to believe. Yeah, it, it's just uh, a tool to use in reading your own Bible. Um, I, I pray that you'll read it. I pray that you'll stay with it. I pray that you'll start somewhere and, and continue coming to it, uh, looking and, and hungry and, and waiting for the Word of God to speak. It is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Any final thoughts? Yeah, Dad. My grandma Harris had a third grade education Yeah. Yeah, again, I, I don't push any single translation. Obviously, I think some are better than others, but if you're not going to read it, it doesn't matter what translation it is. You just got to read it. Uh, it starts with reading and then doing it, uh, and, and that's what the Lord requires of us. Let's stand together. Let's be dismissed. Let's pray. Brett Hightower, if you don't mind, would you voice our final benediction tonight, please?